Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There is no better group of ones for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Later on, I'll be joined by Mike Abel from Agrilan. Mike's Abel by name and Abel by nature. Sorry about that, Mike. (laughs) He's an expert in helping to get rid of all kinds of gardening pests, including slugs and snails. Our thanks to Sutton Seeds, sponsors of this week's podcast. Last weekend, I called in at the RHS Hyde Hall Flower Show. I went on the Saturday, missed the wind. That was a bit of a nuisance apparently on Thursday, but it was a really lovely day out. Great to see so many families just pottering about all that space they've got at Hyde Hall. And then I went on and had a look at uh, the new building going on on the top of the hill. All the old barns have gone. My goodness, they're spending some money there. And went on down into the new veg garden. That's fantastic. I worry a bit about that conservatory. The ventilation in the top just doesn't look to be enough to me. The old rule of thumb was that you needed one-sixth wide-opening vents in the roof to reduce the temperature on hot days. Oh, and by the way, if you've got a bit of uh, land in the garden, just a space under trees where it's a bit dry, you don't know what to do, this week in the paper we got an offer on naturalising bulbs. Pop those in in the autumn and with snowdrops and winter aconites flowering in January and February right through to bluebells in May, at least you'll have a bit of colour. I was very interested to hear that Camden Garden Centre have a cacti and succulent festival that has helped to increase their houseplant sales fourfold. Goodness, that's a change. Uh, Vicky Jameson reports uh, interest in houseplants has exploded thanks to... Uh, online picture sharing and the fact that more flats are being built without gardens. Camden Garden Centre believe they have a younger clientele aged 30 to 45 years thanks to uh, indoor plants and their cafe even has a themed menu with cactus leaf tortilla and cacti mocktails, whatever they are. (laughs) Actually Scott Proven, the houseplant buyer, for Dobby's Garden Centres. He's based up in Edinburgh. He tells me that the demand for Swiss cheese plants and succulents far exceeds the supply. He's having all kinds of trouble getting enough of these plants. Now in the 60s and 70s, they used to be unbelievably popular. When I was a young man working on the nursery at that time, we used to get a one-ton van, drive it to South End, where we could load the van into the front of a, of a car transporting aeroplane and fly it to Ostend and then when we got out the other end we'd obviously drive the van to a nursery and would pick up 
Monsteras and Ficus and Sansevierias, you know, by the thousand. The Belgians were very clever at wrapping the Ficus, that's the big rubber tree, you know, the rubber plant, which again is coming back in fashion, I'm told. They would fold the leaves upright against the stem and wrap them in newspaper so that each plant above the pot just had what looked like a folded newspaper about three or four inches wide and 18 inches two foot high and then they'd stack one pot on top of another pot with these wrapped leaves in between and they'd get thousands on this little van. It was fine on the first and second trip except on the third trip when we got back to South End the customs officer said uh, oh no 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 you can't you know we need to check these you've got to offload those and we need to unwrap them all to see whether anybody's trying to import something illegally. Do you know it took us three vans to get this stuff once it'd been unwrapped because we couldn't wrap them back the way the Belgians had. So whenever I hear people talk about rubber plants and Monstera my mind goes back to the problems we had shipping those things back and forth from South End. There's been another report too This one comes from Squires Garden Centre down in Twickenham. They've done a survey that finds that the over-50s are playing in their gardens. I mean, that got me going a bit. They found 72% of people spend more than three hours in the garden each week and 84% of that 72% report playing in the garden. 33% running through the sprinkler, 23% doing yoga or playing ball and 21% have been on swings or slides. 16% have been hula-hooping, and 15% trampolining. Sorry, trampolining. (laughs) Whatever you do on a trampoline, yeah. (laughs) And then 14% have skipped, and 7% have been doing handstands and cartwheels. Now, the majority of these respondents, I'm told, 84% of them were over 50. Now, the thought of all these people in their back gardens doing uh, cartwheels and uh, skipping brings joy to my soul. You know, there must be some fun in gardens yet. But anyhow, back to the ordinary and proper gardening advice. You need to uh, keep an eye out if you're going to collect some seeds. I've certainly been collecting some sweet pea seed and lupins. Now, both of those, you need to catch them just as the pods begin to ripen. If you leave it too long, then, of course, the pod bursts and the seed is spread all over the garden. Uh, If you have a look on our website, sungardening.co.uk, Val Bradley is giving us some more advice on saving seeds. It's time, too, to be sowing Japanese onions. If you want to do it the easy way, then you buy sets in September, but if you want to... uh, Sow seed, Japanese onions need sowing middle of August and then you'll be harvesting some really big onions next May before the main summer crops come in. If you're going to go into the garden centre at all, do watch to see when the bulbs first arrive because the tiny bulbs, especially snowdrops, dry out in the packs. If you can get those early and planted in the ground, or if the ground's not available, then pot it up, you'll have much better success next spring. If they're left on the garden centre shelves for a couple of months, then they do lose a lot of moisture, and with that they lose quite a bit of uh, vigour too. Keep an eye on blackberries. Boy, they're growing with all that summer rain, because where the new growth tips hit the ground, they'll root in an instant, and of course can spread right across the garden if you uh, don't keep an eye on them. 
That is, unless you want some new plants. If you want a new plant or two, well then, yes, just peg the tip down and in a matter of weeks it will have rooted quite strongly and you'll have another plant. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The move these days in both commercial and amateur gardening circles is to do our best to control pests and diseases by uh, friendly, organic and biological ways. And when I have a bit of a problem, as I do at present with some whitefly on my cucumbers, then I tend to reach for the telephone and get in touch with Agrilan. And uh, today we have Mike Abel with us from uh, Agrilan. Mike, you're the sort of doctor, aren't you, for us, when we have problems in the garden? Well, I do what I can, yes. It's, I, I do try and find ways of controlling the pests that's not involving a pesticide, and, and yeah, there's a number of options. But we do need to uh, study the detail, don't we, Mike? It's important to understand what the pest is, how it works, where it lives, and there, there's various sort of times within its life where you can target it, or there's times when it's perhaps not doing too much of a problem. I mean, wasps, horrible things at this time of year, but early in year, they're actually beneficial insects, so... Biodiversity is great, and um, you know, everything's got its place, but some things get out of hand at times, yes. Well, I find your catalogue very useful, and presumably people can go online to get some guidance on these sort of things. Yes, there is an Agriland website, agriland.co.uk, um, which has information on it, but if, if people wanted to buy online, um, we do market from a, a website that's called pestfreegardening.co.uk where all of the biologic controls and, and, and other means of dealing with pests can be, um, can be bought online there. Well, if we start with um, what is, I think, usually the top of the pest lists, the top tens yeah. on slugs and snails, I have to tell you, I've been raising some scabious. I used to do that, what, 30 or 40 years ago, and selected out a really nice purple scabious, saved the seed, yeah. got 70 nice seedlings, got them all potted up, and three enormous slugs last night were busy eating their way across the tray. Boy, they do drive me calmly. <laughs> now, what do you recommend with slugs and snails, first of all, Mike? Or am I putting you on the spot? There's obviously more than one way of dealing with things like slugs and snails. You can use deterrents in, in the sense of you know, copper rings and copper impregnated mats, that type of approach. Um, or you can actually try and control them, if you like, you know, kill them. Uh, things like salt are not very friendly to the slug, and although I'm not too concerned about slugs, it's not actually very effective either. 
the most effective way of dealing with slugs without question is to use nematodes which are a, a microscopically small worm that lives in the soil it enters the slug kills the slug breeds within the slug and then finds some more slugs to kill it's completely safe uh, it's endemic it's there anyhow so all you're doing is altering the balance of nature and it lasts for six weeks it, it's much the best way of dealing with slugs and you need moist conditions such as we've had this summer, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, at, at the moment, weather conditions are perfect. The, the weather that suits slugs actually suits the nematodes. So it likes it warm and it likes it moist. Um, so it's, it's perfect weather for slugs, but it's perfect weather for the nematodes as well. Just put it in a bucket of water, dilute it down, water it on with a watering can. But you're treating the soil, so um, you can treat where you've got plants in there already, so, uh, you know, if you've got beans or lettuce in the ground, that's fine. Uh, but if you're going to plant something out, like your scabious, if you treat the soil before you plant out, you kill the slugs before you even put the plants in. So anything, hostas, you know, delphiniums, all the asparagus, strawberries, vegetables, anything that gets slug damage, you can use it on. So there's answer number one to the top problem. But then what about my whitefly on the cucumbers in the polytunnel? Yeah, um in a way, with any of these pests, yeah, prevention is better than cure, which, of course, is a bit too late now when you've got clouds of whitefly. But you perhaps need to anticipate the problem. With, with biologic controls, it can take time to, for them to get on top of the pest. Um, so as soon as you see a whitefly in your greenhouse, then the way to go, really, is to use a, a parasitic wasp. Now, this is not a big yellow and black thing that stings you. This is a tiny, tiny wasp, sort of midge-sized that lays an egg in a whitefly scale and obviously that parasitizes it, kills it and then another wasp emerges and lays more eggs in more whitefly scales. You never really see the pest that way, you don't get the damage. Now what sort of temperatures do we need for that to well, work effectively? Yeah, um, it needs 15 degrees centigrade, so that's 60 Fahrenheit uh, some of the time. If it goes lower than that on a, you know, a cool evening, Overnight, that's not a problem. It won't kill the, the beneficial. It's just inactive at lower temperatures. All through the summer, sort of May, June, July, August, September, uh, it's going to be warm enough for that to be effective. And usually you send out two lots, don't you? Yes. Some of these things will become established in your greenhouse and, and some may need a couple of introductions. Uh, the individual encarsia, the, the parasitic wasp, will live for perhaps a couple of weeks. So it's sensible to put a second application in sort of two weeks after the first. So the second dose will carry on where the first one left off. And then hopefully you will get uh, um, your own sort of population emerging from parasitized scales. Now, I've had some success with um, SB plant invigorator. Mm. Can you use that alongside your parasite or does it knock everything out? No, no, you, you can do. Um, I've, I've also used SBPI and, and I find it useful. It will certainly knock pests back. It's a contact material, so it only kills what it hits. But it's useful where you've got a, a lot of the pest to reduce the population by using something like that. Um, the the parasitized scale is actually resistant to the the SBPI, the Stamboul plant invigorator, so it's safe to use the two in combination. I would say I have actually scorched plants occasionally with SBPI, so if you've got something ornamental, it might just be safe to try one plant first. <laughs> oh, right. It would be advisable to use it in the evenings anyhow. Yes, I think it would. Um, yeah. 
it's only once or twice I've found that, and, and most of the time it, it's not been a problem. So, yeah, just be a little bit careful. And what about the red spider then, Mike? Yeah. I mean, with damp weather, it's not likely to be so serious, is it, if, if it's, it's humid? and Well, I mean, they, they certainly say it likes hot, dry conditions, which it does, and spraying is one way of reducing the uh, increased population, but it, it's not really a method of control as such. It just sort of holds it back a bit. There is a, a predator, uh, a, again, a, a small mite called Phytocelus that actually breeds faster than the red spider mite. So you, you sort of sprinkle these Phytocelus mites onto your cucumber plants or anything else that gets red spider, of course, peppers, aubergines in particular in a greenhouse. And these Phytocelus will gobble up the red spider mite, eat the eggs, um, and again will uh, eradicate the problem. I mean, both those two things, the Encarcia and the Phytocelius, are widely used commercially now, aren't they? Oh, ab- absolutely. There isn't a tomato grower, for instance, in the country that doesn't use these things. They are safer. If you apply a pesticide, then obviously you have to wait sometimes before you can go back in the greenhouse. Uh, you have to wait a certain number of days before you can harvest your crop. And something like tomatoes or, or strawberries, where you're picking perhaps every other day, you can't afford not to be able to work in the glasshouse. So they use these biological controls partly because it's safe uh, and, and partly because it's difficult to find chemicals these days, particularly for the amateur gardener, that will actually control red spider mite. Despite what it may say on the tin sometimes in, in garden centres, there really isn't a, a pesticide available to the amateur that will kill red spider mite. We've got a fruit moth, haven't we, that uh, we, people are we, very worried you know, about? <clears throat> one of the, um, I mean, there's, there's regular things like um, plum maggot that, that people have in plums. That's not new, but there is a, a fruit fly that's occurring in things like cherries and, and plums and strawberries and raspberries um, that's a tiny little maggot that gets into these soft fruit crops that causes them to go mushy and, and rotten. Um, and certainly with cherries, it's caused a number of people to have you know, a, an entire crop lost, which is very disappointing with something like cherries. There isn't a natural predator for it because it's from Asia, so the predator doesn't exist in this country. So we're having to find different ways of dealing with it. It's possible to, to trap them. It's possible to put um, sort of protective sleeves or nets over your cherries, which seems to be in the back garden the way to go at the moment. Because I heard about it first of all from uh, European fruit growers and they said that Britain was likely to be uh, better served because we had fruit cages and we used to net things and that we could put an Enviro mesh over the frame. Could we do that? Yes, um, yeah, you can use nets over a fruit cage. Um, the, the nets that are used for excluding birds um, are too big a mesh size. They might be 25mm or 7mm but to exclude this fruit fly, you need something that's really less than one millimetre, so sort of 0.8, 0.9 millimetre mesh size. So mesh is very good at excluding most pests from most crops, but you actually have to use a finer mesh mesh. There is one mesh Ultra Fine, which will exclude this fruit fly from fruit cages, but it, it does need to be a, a, a fine mesh size to do it because fruit flies are small things. The very fine mesh would be more suitable for s- strawberries and uh, soft fruits rather yes. than cherry trees. Yeah, difficult to put a, uh, a net over a cherry tree. Um, and of course, when you're using any of these nets, you have to let the crop get pollinated first of all. They're fruit crops, they need bees to pollinate the, the flowers to get the fruit to set. So 
gets over your fruit crops before they've been pollinated. So certainly things like raspberries and strawberries, you've got to get the, the fruit set first of all before you can net them. And there are dwarf cherry tree varieties or on rootstocks available these days, but if your tree is more than six or eight foot tall, then it's a bit of a job trying to net it. Um, so I, I think trapping, and, and there is a, a trap for these, for this particular pest, or we're now also, uh, Agrilana, producing a, a fruit sleeve that goes over individual branches. So you're netting sort of a 60 or 80 centimetres of a branch that's got the cherries on it. And that will keep the birds off, but it will also keep this fruit fly off. You must be reading my thoughts. Do you know I was sitting here thinking, I've got a cherry tree at home. Could I not get a tube of mesh and slip it over at least some of the branches to protect those and and you've already got the tubes for us we have yeah it's um it's a new product uh, for us this year that we're actually launching at a um a show in the autumn at glee in birmingham um but it's a it's about a meter long it's a very fine mesh and it's got a drawstring either end of it so you slip it over the branch pull the drawstring tight at either end of the tube and if you put that on when the before the cherries are ripening, so as soon as the cherries start ripening, you need to put these on. It will uh, protect the fruit absolutely. I mean, I used it this time in my garden, and I had no fruit fly damage. I, I mean, I have pigeons and blackbirds and squirrels, all sorts of things, want to eat my cherries, and it kept all those off. And um, I was able to leave the cherries on until they were fully ripe. What are you calling that? We're just calling it a cherry sleeve. Cherry sleeve. Yeah, um, it's, it's not actually on the market at the moment. It's, it's too late for this season anyhow, but it will certainly be available for next season. So it's something that, so it's pestfreegardening.co.uk that they'll be available on. And you want to get them, you know, it's a good Christmas present for the keen gardener. And Mike, we like to be first, you know, on this podcast. We don't <laughs> like to be uh, following other people's news. So it no. <laughs> looks as if you really let us in on something very useful. Yeah, yeah, top don't, um, don't, don't tell don't anybody. About <laughs> well, now I grow quite a lot of carrots in pots, yes. and I've used uh, sleeves to keep off carrot flies. So presumably your cherry sleeve would do that job too, wouldn't it? Uh, if the pot is relatively sort of small diameter, it would do. Um, so what, what's what's the width of the tube? I mean, uh, I usually use a four-liter pot for the carrots. Oh right, yes, it would probably go over that. I, I think the diameter of the tube is about twenty-five centimeters. So it would, yes, it would go over a relatively small pot. You don't need to use as fine a mesh size as this cherry sleeve. It's just standard mesh will actually uh, exclude uh, carrot fly from, from carrot crops. You know, the finer the mesh, the more pests you exclude. But you do start excluding air, light and water. Um, and you raise the relative humidity. You could end up with, you know, fungal diseases being more prevalent because it's less ventilation and less light. So... Yeah, there is always a trade-off between mesh size and pest exclusion and air, light and water. So we would say for most pests, mesh, standard mesh is the way to do it. So things like cabbage white butterflies, um, you know, cabbage root fly, all the moths and butterflies, it will exclude all of those from all of your vegetable crops. Use that as a general line, but use these finer mesh sizes for specific purposes. Mike, you're an absolute mine of information very useful conversation today. Uh, I can't promise that I won't be back asking more questions, but thank you very much for today. You're welcome. I hope it's uh, of some help. What's on? 
this week. It's the Shrewsbury Flower Show. That's open on the 11th and 12th. Boy, we used to love that show. Went down on the lorry, parked alongside the river, worked through the night staging a quite big stands of cut flower, and then would try and catch an hour or two's sleep in the lorry before we went behind the rope. But uh, there's a great place for music with the Welsh choir singing, or it was when I went there, and, and the late Percy Thrower. He had some fantastic bedding in the Dingle, in the quarry gardens there. Great place to go, Shrewsbury. Floral Fate it was called then. Thanks again to our sponsors, Sutton Seeds of Torquay, and thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.